Dr. Mike here. ADD? ADHD? Adult ADHD? Confused? So are we. You're listening to Live Foreverish, a show dedicated to helping you live just a little longer. Here's your hosts, Dr. Mike and Dr. Crystal Gossard. So our guest today is Dr. Sarah Shayette. She is a pediatric neurologist and co-author of ADHD and the Focused Mind. Dr. Shayette, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, I, you know, I, I was kind of playing around there, ADD, ADHD, people, you know, I, I do think people are kind of confused. So can you give us just a nice rundown or summary of ADD, ADHD, and the difference? Sure. And you should be confused because it is very <laughs> confusing terminology, which was not my idea. I don't like the terminology. Right. Basically, <laughs> when people say ADD, they mean inattentive but not hyperactive. When people say ADHD, they think about hyperactive people. However, it's all called ADHD these days. There is no official diagnosis of ADD. Would you like to talk a little bit about what ADHD is? Yeah, give us a little like uh, one liner, one sentence of that would help the audience to kind of distinguish it from ADD. Okay, well, to understand ADHD, you need to think about what focusing is. Focusing means paying attention to one thing and not paying attention to other things. When you're thinking in a focused way, your brain automatically prioritizes one thing above other things. When you're thinking in a not focused way or an ADHD way, your mind might start in one spot and then see something that's interesting and then think about something else and that leads you to something else. Right. And so in in other words, that was instead me, of seeing yeah. one thing that's important, your brain sees lots of things and jumps around. Yeah. So when people have inattentive ADHD, um, their brain is thinking about a lot of different things. When people are hyperactive, their body's moving all over the place. Some people have both things. I, I think that was actually me when I was younger, Dr. Shayette. <laughs> I definitely drove my mom my mom crazy with this. Dr. Gossett, do you want to? Dr. Shayette, we often hear so many people saying, I have ADD, which now we know there's no real, I guess it doesn't really exist anymore, but ADHD. And do you find that, um, what do you think the prevalence is of whenever you have someone, you know, bring their child into your office? Do you find that they, in fact, do have ADD often? Well, you know, that's a terrific question because I think the reason people say that is because everybody does think in an ADHD way mm -hmm. some of the time. Yeah. So everybody is unfocused sometimes. You get diagnosed with ADHD when you're in an unfocused state a lot of the time. Okay. It has to cause significant problems in more than one area of your life so that you have problems functioning. But everyone fo has problems focusing sometimes, and so everyone will feel like they have ADHD um, because everyone can identify mm -hmm. with that unfocused okay. feeling. Yeah. For a lot of people, I kind of think about it like that feeling you get when you're back from vacation and you've got a thousand messages in your in-basket and you're kind of doing a little of this and doing a little of that and just jumping from thing to thing, putting out fires, but you never get 
one thing done. You can never cross anything off your list. That's that's, our, that's my daily life. I, yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that. I that's hear you. <laughs> I hear you. We can all identify, right? Right, exactly. But somebody who's been diagnosed with ADHD has that feeling a lot of the time, and that is uh, what may be the difference between them and you. Yeah. But, of course, you know, lots of things can put us in ADHD thinking, and that would include things like feeling anxious, makes people have a harder time focusing, mm-hmm. genuinely having too much to do. You know, if there's a thousand things always screaming yeah. for your attention, that makes it harder to focus on any one thing. And, of course, our fast-paced world, which includes electronics, that tends to make people focus worse as well. Right, right. I want to I take the conversation to talk a little bit about parents. Oh. Yeah, because I know, and again, I, I feel so bad for my parents. What's funny, um, Dr. Shad, is I don't remember much of my childhood, actually. So all of the stories that I heard came from my brothers and sisters, how crazy I actually was. And I know how hard I was on my mom, at least. What In your book, um, again, uh, the book is ADHD and the Focus Mind. Uh, do you have um, a chapter or two or some tips for parents who are trying to raise a child with ADHD? Yeah, I would say that the most important thing is to keep a connection. So, you know, many parents get really frustrated with their ADHD kids, and and ADHD kids hear a lot of negatives about themselves. And so in, in terms of parenting, it's super important to keep a connection and see the positives in your child. School is frustrating for a lot of people, but you have to say it's just school. And you have to connect with the child on whatever level they can. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's so important. That's one thing that stood out to me when I was um, reading your book is how to uh, view ADHD positively. And I think that's a great strategy for parents. ADHD can be a real positive. People with ADHD are creative and they put things together in ways nobody else has done that before. And so you need that kind of thinking in every society. I, let's, I wanted to ask about something too, right? Mm-hmm. We found, I think Dr. Gossett, you found this in the book, the, the idea of owning the goal. Yeah. Can you help us understand what that means and how does that help a parent or a friend trying to take care of somebody with ADHD, this owning the goal idea? Yeah, so, you know, as we were talking before, Everybody focuses sometimes, and everybody's not focused sometimes. Anybody who takes care of somebody who has ADHD wants to get them moving from a not-focused state to a more-focused state. And one of the ways to do that is to make sure that the, the kid has a stake in what they're doing. If you can get a child to care about the goal and to take responsibility for the goal, then they're much more likely to focus on the goal. Think of it like if you were playing basketball and you didn't really want to play basketball, but your mom or dad made you play basketball, how would you play? You would look terrible. Um, if you if you decided you wanted to earn a certain percentage of um, free throws, if you wanted to work on defense, then you're much more likely to be a focused person. Yeah, so that's actually, in that, uh, your book, you actually talk about the analogies that you're using with, um, with sports. So you talk about the athletic mindset 
And, um, and so I'm just wondering, is this, do you feel like the parents should um, have their kids participate in oh, yeah. athletic events? Or is it just kind of with anything that they're doing, uh, having this mindset? It's really more about the mindset, although exercise is terrific for yeah. both focus and self-esteem. But an, a great athlete has their mind, body, and spirit all working together, right? Right. So they have everything directed together and working in synchrony. And if you can get that in other areas of your life, then it's going to be more than making a basket or scoring a run. Right. If you can get mind, body, and spirit working together, you can really achieve your own personal gold, gold medal in whatever you do. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so true. And when you think about mind, body, and spirit, you know, you can't help but to think about diet as well. Um, yeah. Do you have, uh, how does that discussion take place with your practice? Well, if you don't feel well, then you don't have the body part of mind, body, and spirit and you won't do well. If you try to go to school and you haven't eaten very much or haven't slept very much, it's going to be harder for you to focus. So um, both of those things are important, along with mood, in order to get your personal best at a school day. You would not go to play the big game not having the right nutrition or the right amount of sleep, and you would mm-hmm. not want to go to school that way either. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I like I like the, the way sleep you... part. <clears throat> yeah, I, I know that's so important. That I was reading um, not too long ago the amount of sleep that children actually need, and you'll be surprised that I mean it's it's more than what yeah, adults yeah. would need. You know, the seven or eight hours. But they're probably not getting it like the adults are getting, right? I mean, we're that's all... exactly yeah. That's exactly a huge problem because, as one of my patients this morning was telling me. Well, he's having a hard time focusing in the afternoon, so he stays up late to do his homework, so he doesn't get enough sleep, so his focus the next day is even worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it snowballs so on it, it, right? So it is a vicious yeah. cycle. Yeah. I, you know, Dr. Shad, I want to um, uh, ask your opinion about medication, and when, when does medication play a role in treating ADHD? Obviously, you, you've talked a, a, a lot about non-pharmacological strategies and techniques, but when, when does the prescription become important? Yeah, the prescription can be important when the non-medication strategies are not working. So if you have somebody who can't focus well enough to participate in the non-medication strategies, that's a problem. If you have somebody whose family can't help them, that's a problem. And when self-esteem starts going down the toilet, that's a problem because when you start to believe you can't, you don't. And then you get a bad outcome and it makes you feel even worse and mm. verifies that you're not good at whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then you get worse and worse outcomes and worse and worse self-esteem. Right. Yeah. So if, you know, I do think that there's a huge role for the non-medication strategies and they might be enough for a lot of people. I also think that no matter what you decide about medication, it's important to do the non-medication strategies because someday you don't want to take the medication. But sometimes the medication can be a huge difference maker. It shows people the difference between focus and not focus. I've turned F students into A students on these medications, not because I can make them smarter, but that's the difference focus makes. Right. 
Excellent. So Dr. Shayat, in summary, what would you like people to know about ADHD? I would like them to know that everyone is capable about ADHD thinking. And I wish I didn't have to, you know, stamp people with a diagnosis, but I'd like people to become aware of how much time they're spending not focused mm. and then do the things that make them focus more. It's important for people to understand that focus gives you power and it gives you the ability to do things well and quickly. So that's something we can all use. If people are um, doing things that make them focus worse, like being on the phone when they're supposed mm -hmm. to be at school or doing their homework, then um, that's just really uh, tough on their focus. It's sort of like trying to diet with cookies all around me. Oh. It would be really hard. So, that would be challenging. Um, yeah, do the things that make you focus better and try to avoid the things that make you focus worse. And, you know, you'll be better off and more right. power to you. That's great. Dr. Shead, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Take the, care. The book is ADHD and the Focused Mind. She also has another book called Winning with ADHD. You can find these on Amazon.com or you can go to sarahshayette.com that's sarah c-h-e-y-e-t-t-e dot -E -T -T -E com you're listening and watching Live Foreverish for more podcasts go to liveforeverish.com that's liveforeverish.com I'm Dr. Mike I'm Dr. Gosser thanks for listening and watching <laughs>